Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I'm Mike Siciliano. I'm here once again continuing our Yard of Book series with our head of schools, Rod Gilbert. Rod, good to have you back on as always. Glad, glad to be here. Thank so you. today we have an absolute classic. Yes. Really, in our Yard of Books, it makes up like a foot. And it because, should. Because it's a lot of books. Yes. Uh, yes. The Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. And uh, I know it's a book that, that you've read through multiple times, correct? Including again Actually, that's recently. not true. That's not true. No. I'm lying at the start of the podcast. You are. You have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So yeah. when's, the, when's the, the first time you read through the Chronicles of this Narnia? This summer. Okay. I had never read through the whole series. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you just finished it when? Last night at okay. 9 o'clock. Okay. So this yeah. is fresh in your head. Yes. I last finished it at least 15 years ago, wow. so we're totally on an even playing field oh, here. Oh, perfect. That's, I'm going to quiz you right from the start. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, and <laughs> and on top of that, um, you've enjoyed this so much. Loved it. You actually Loved gave it. away a set. I did. Okay. Did you know that I also recently gave away a set? No, I did not know that. So we were recently at this meeting, and, and you said, who's got the nearest birthday? Right. And uh, And I shouted out, Hey, John Wallace's That's birthday right. is tomorrow. So I gave John my set. This set right here is John's. So I later found out that Pamela Odin was in the process of raising her hand. For her birthday. Which is the same day. Yeah, I know. And I shouted out John Wallace, and you gave the book to John Wallace. <laughs> and I felt a little bad about that. So I got her a set, too. Good for you. Yeah. Good Don't worry, I'll you. charge the school. So you gave away no, two no, sets. No, it's out of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is it about the Chronicles of Narnia that, that to you is like, this has got to be in your yard of books? At the core of it, I would say it is perfectly childlike. And there's so many deep uh, lessons to be learned. There's something beautiful, just like the parables of Jesus Christ. Mm. They're very simple lessons, and yet they're uh, amazingly profound. And C.S. Lewis did did such a great job of that. So in that that process with C.S. Lewis, I know Mm -hmm. that's something you've also talked about a lot here. I mean, how did he write these? What's unique about that? Well, C.S. Lewis, by the way, didn't become a Christian until his mid-30s. He was a raging atheist uh, as a professor uh, in England, and then over time found Christ, or Christ found him, as he calls it. And one of his best friends was J.R.R. Tolkien, which everyone knows wrote uh, Lord of the Rings. And uh, every week... uh, Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and J.R.R. Tolkien, and a couple of other friends would get together and share each other's stories that they were writing or scholarship for years and years and years. They, they met once a week. And uh, so from those meetings, they, they actually called themselves the Inklings, hmm. which means they barely had an inkling about anything. They were very humble. And um, from those weekly meetings, our whole world culture has benefited from Narnia, yeah. And Middle Earth and yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and uh, we ha- we have them to thank for that. Okay, so and and uh, just to remind our listeners, viewers, I guess they're both now. Now that we have these cameras in here, <laughs> oh, we uh, actually have a studio we audience do. watching us. We have an audience today. <laughs> For the well, first like time, the right or yeah. Did they do they have to clap? Was that part of the rules? I don't like, know. is it just I purely for play. our ego they or themselves. what? No, they don't. Uh, yeah. So if if it were someone's first time listening or watching sure. today, this is not the first C.S. Lewis book we've talked about. No, no, we actually so. did uh, the Screw Tape Letters with Mr. Kim. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis books. Much harder to read. Really written for high school students or adults. Okay, that's yeah. a good segue. So are these children's books? Oh my gosh, yes. In fact. Uh, I received these as a set in fifth grade under the Christmas tree, 
And I still have one left from that set way back then. It's over on the other shelf. And um, uh, I, I read the first two books and then moved on with life. Probably yeah. went back outside and rode my go-kart or something yeah. as a kid. But, you had a go-kart? Oh, yeah. That's you had a go-kart as a, a kid? different story. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Different. My mom didn't know about it. My dad bought it, brought it home. We cranked it up, and then mom found out about it. Kid but, me is very jealous of that. Yeah. Because my mom was like, no go-karts. Yeah, we crashed, and we get bloody, and then... The first thing my brother and I, it was a two-seater, yeah. so we flipped it all the time. And uh, the first thing we would say as we were coming out, pulling it off of us, was, don't tell mom. <laughs> but I feel like this could actually fit in one of C.S. Lewis's stories. It, it could. But anyway, it could. we yeah. digress. Yeah. So so you have a copy as a kid. You read the first couple, put it away. Move, moved on. I had no idea that there was any uh, theological underpinnings hmm. as a Christian. I read uh, this one, the, the most famous, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, as a fifth grade child and just thought it was a really cool story which by the way everyone thinks that's the first book that's right it's not it's book number two okay yeah yeah the the magician's nephew was the prequel to it all yeah. okay now is this like a star wars thing where you where like if no if someone has not read any of these like the age-old question do uh, you start star wars do you start with episode one or episode four like I, narnia do you start with lion the witch in the wardrobe or do you start with magician's nephew i, I would quote john wallace on this okay. since i gave him the copy uh this whole set a week or two ago, I asked him the same question, and he actually put it to a vote with his children, and they talked about it. And uh, they started with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe okay. because it's so captivatingly beautiful, and it gives you so many sub stories of what's going to unpack the rest of it. And and you can those children will come back and read the Mitchell's nephew and understand where the yeah. Narnia came from. But uh, I, I thought, as a father, I thought John made a, a wise choice. Yeah, okay. C.S. Lewis preferred. The Magician's Nephew first. Okay. And That's did, why this set has book one. The did Magician's he write Nephew. The Magician's Nephew first? I, I actually have no idea. I, okay. I don't know any of the order of it. So I think, by the way, in Star Wars, the right answer is you start with episode four. You watch them in the episode. I didn't know released. there was anything before that. Oh, yeah. Well, the prequels, a lot of people like to forget. But anyway, oh we, won't, we won't go Charger there. Jar Jar Binks drove me crazy. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you this. Which which is your favorite Star Wars? Oh, and this, I'm going to judge question. you. Um, I'm judging so, you. Okay. I mean. You're the, debating this in your head? Well, The Empire Strikes know? Back is really good to me. I really enjoy The Empire okay, Strikes Back. Okay. You get back. points for that. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the. So that's that's probably my favorite. Okay. That's, favorite. That, that's mine too. Um, I will say I really like the new ones. I do too. And and a lot of people too. are critical of of the last, especially episode eight, the middle one of the yeah. new ones. Yeah. But I love them. I like all three of them. Well, the horses running on the plane, uh, the the spaceship is a little weird. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, but uh, how can we say as, anything as, about Star Wars is weird? It's all I know, weird. Solo was a wreck from the beginning. The yeah. producers messed it up. But, yeah. But um, anyways, Rogue One's really good though. Yeah, I, I like Rogue One. Yeah. Okay, um, so back to Narnia. Yeah, let's get back to the other fantasy series that we're talking about. Let me just add this to it. The reason that you and I are talking about Star Wars and uh, many other science fiction books like the Sword of, Sword of Shannara, um, there, um, anyways, there are many science fiction pieces. The genre of fantasy literature, actually, Tolkien is the fountainhead mm. that yeah. started it. Yeah. And he started it by doing a scholarly paper on an ancient work called Beowulf, Oh. And it was called uh, something like Our Monster Beowulf or something like that. And he wrote about it in such a way that caused people to want to study it more. And now it's a part of our Western canon. And uh, But his work in um, with Lord of the Rings, and, a little, and less so Narnia, is why we have science fiction and fantasy sections in Barnes & Noble. Okay, so they're, they're the fountainhead. So what is it about this genre 
that we love so much and that even a, a believer like C.S. Lewis, who's written all kinds of things, including, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, nonfiction. Mere Christianity. Right. And, I mean, yeah. uh, apologetic type stuff. Oh, yeah. And yet stuff. he probably spent more time on this series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is it about fantasy that as believers is it can be powerful? Well, I, I, I think that uh, to come to the kingdom of Christ, you have to do it as a child's heart. Mm-hmm. And Jesus made that real clear. And I think that's why I talked more in stories than in theology. For every sentence of theological thickness in the book of Romans, we have many more stories that Jesus told to to soften our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And so I think stories end up allowing our imagination to fill in some of the gaps. And I think they captivate our heart. And I think from a conversion experience and our own walk of holiness in life, is really it's more about the heart than the head. Mm. Yeah, so I it, think stories make it happen, and it, yeah. it's almost like the the nonfiction stuff. We have so many inputs and life experiences that yeah. we can't, in a way, suspend our our subjectivity. But like That's the right. fantasy world, it, we can suspend all of that yeah. and just get to the heart of of what the message is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and I think we are. It's it's affectionate. I think I think the writers that do this well are, are uh, like tenderizing our own hearts toward Christ. I mean, most of these books here, theology, history, economics, I mean, that's my background. And, uh, but they're important for me to know. Uh, but when it comes to really what, what guides my heart, it's really more stories yeah. than it is a, yeah. a thick book. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of your favorite oh, excerpts or pieces? You know, I, I'd say no spoilers, but we've been down this road enough that I'm going to yeah. say no spoilers and you're going to spoil, yeah, spoil something anyway. So... <laughs> What uh, what what are some some only mild spoilers well, uh, that stand out to you? I would start with this. I, I called my adult children a few weeks ago and told them I was reading through it. And Ryan remembers Angie reading it to him at least two or three times. They've been listening to it on CDs, and he didn't remember all the little stories, but he immediately could give the theme of a couple of the books. Like I told him, I was in the the, the horse and his boy, and he went, "Oh my gosh, Dad, you're gonna love that because." And then he gave me some of the key themes. Yeah. And so we forget, we, we can't keep up with every little story, but it's the themes of each book that sort of stand out. And yeah. So. You mentioned The Horse and His Boy. I mean, there's one that, yeah. that you've shared with me that has resonated with me quite a bit. Yeah, I, okay. So uh, I, I try my best as an adult reader to behave like a child reading it. Otherwise, I'm reading it like a theologian trying to interpret it. So I know this sounds weird, but I try to just read it for the purity of the story. And so what happens oftentimes is I get tricked because I'm in a childlike reading state. (laughs) So like I was 100 pages into the book before, and I think Hannah may have mentioned this to me in the hall, but no book makes any sense to call it the horse and his boy. Wow, I never picked up on that. that My mind is blown a little bit right now. I'd seen the title. And yeah. there's this horse, and there's the boy, and then there's this girl that he meets, and they're on a grand adventure. But like I was like 100 pages in before I realized the horse, I knew is the talking horse from Narnia. Right. But actually, the boy belongs to the horse. Yeah. And I, and I thought, oh, that's why the title's that way. <laughs> and uh, there have been many aha moments for me, and, and I tell Angie, and she looks at me like, uh, yeah, that's... Adults know that already, you know that. Well, I didn't. I so, didn't either. Yeah. But I think so. Uh, so you asked me for one particular point. In in this particular, I have a lot of notes on on it. But just I was just so uh, profoundly influenced by it. These two children and their talking horses are racing through the night. They've got to get to a castle to warn people about some bad thing, 
And as they're racing through the night, they're exhausted. Their talking horses are exhausted. They can't go any further. But they have to get there in order to warn the castle about the bad guys coming from somewhere else. I don't remember. And if they don't get there, there will be peril in the castle. Okay. So about the time that they just give up in the dark at night and the horses are exhausted, a beast starts chasing them in the middle of the night. And all they hear are these heavy footprints. And then at one point, uh, this beast actually starts clawing at the girl and uh, actually claws and scratches the girl's leg and harms the horse that she's on. Like it is, it's very scary. It's a a true wound, a physical wound. And the result of that was they ran faster than they could have ever possibly thought they could run. And they made it to the castle in time. And so in my childlike state, I'm like, wow, that was awful that that happened that way because they almost died, right? And about five chapters later, and th- this is where the, you know, my, it, I, maybe I'm just not good at foreshadowing. I'm just not smart <laughs> enough for it. But about five chapters later, Aslan, who is the Christ figure, Lion, in the whole series. In the whole series. Yeah. He's the main character. He he's explains to these two children and to their talking horses that it was he who chased them. And he said, it was I who chased you in the dark of night. It was I who actually physically wounded you. And had you not endured some scarring and the difficulties, you would not have been prepared for the next battles. And I thought, uh, C.S. Lewis, I, I don't... I don't want to learn lessons with scarring. I, would, yeah. I think I read in the summer hoping to learn lessons when no one's watching me. And uh, But I think usually the way sanctification works is we learn lessons by being wounded by the Spirit of Christ and recovering. And I just I just put the book down. I, thought, ah, I didn't see that coming. The, the, the painful truths are the hardest ones and yeah. the ones we remember the most sometimes. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's uh, it's the trauma of the love of the Holy Spirit coming after us. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, wow, I don't, I don't know if I would have picked up on that as a fifth grader, but as an adult, I've been through enough chases in the dark of the night yeah. that have prepared me for something else. And so, well, okay, all right, Lewis, I get it. You mentioned yeah. Aslan being the Christ figure throughout. Yeah. Um, what what is amazing. it about the character of Aslan that has oh. helped you better understand Jesus? Okay, so... Most times when he appears, they're frightened. Kind of like every time an angel appears, the angel says, don't be afraid. Yeah. It's because right. it's frightening. Right. And uh, so every, almost every single time that Aslan shows up, and I've read them all since July 20th. So I've, I've read them all in the last 45 days. Um, almost every time he shows up, he pretty quickly lays down in repose and puts his paws like this and leans. And everybody crowds him and they touch his mane and they uh, are fearfully in love with him and they he allows them to get into perfect repose even someone that I thought didn't understand Aslan even even in the book last night he didn't fully understand what he was doing but he was so compelled by the approachability of Aslan and and he was actually he had just won the battle even that guy in his conversion moment was in perfect peace and the first thing he did was he lunged onto the mane of uh, Aslan and Aslan just let him snuggle up to him and I thought to be creator of the whole universe and get and to be that approachable is really the Christ figure I mean you know 
when I think about working at a school and how we um, teach children about leadership and mentorship, um, it, it all goes back to mommies knew in the first century that Jesus had just cast out demons or had performed other miracles or um, had done all kinds of things and they were crowding him. But when the mommies had their children in their bosom, mm -hmm. they would want to put their children into his lap because he was approachable too. Yeah. And but, so anyway, Aslan, Aslan, that to me stood out in the last month. Maybe, maybe I needed to hear that personally. I don't yeah. Know. Well, the paradoxical nature of Jesus in, in so many ways, right? How can you be terrified of something and yet yeah. so drawn to it at the same time? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. You're making me want to go back and read these again. Robert. Well, I, I think what you do is you do what your friend John Wallace is doing. And read, read it to my kids. Yeah, just either that or you and your wife take turns reading it. I mean, Angie was always the outside reader, and yeah. I, would, I would hear it. But um, it, it, there is something about read-alouds. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And th this one is so approachable with children. Is there an you know? age that you would say that kids are ready for the story? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that because you can, you can read them out loud to six seven eight year olds and if there is a frightening part of the battle it's not like it's gruesome yeah. it's not like the right. um the movie 300 <laughs> it's not a it's not a quentin tarantino blood fest is it's that not, a is that a critique of the book like uh, you know c.s no, lewis no, no, if you if no, you would have thrown in you know no some... I, I don't i wouldn't want it to be a you know bloodthirsty quentin tarantino someone blood. listening is like let's do a remake and let's do a quentin tarantino oh, version God. Of... please please don't <laughs> do that but i i think that any mother and father would make the judgment call on it but i i would say any child could hear it read out loud and some of them some of the books are just more entertaining than others some of them get slow like um the um Oh, the silver chair! I finished about two weeks ago. I mean, just the cover of it's gloomy, mm. and yeah. so I, Angie told me that's going to be your least favorite. I, I'm thinking because it's so dark, and I, I think I think this may have actually be my favorite. Well, I you, and I, I, I you've shared you've shared another little vignette from that one about Would, being at the top of the top of the mountain, and uh, it, remind me, I've done uh, so it, many. It, things. it had to do with. Um, kind of finding your your place of calm amidst all of the the chaos. Oh yeah, yeah. For yeah, for me, I mean, it's uh, leading a school in a COVID era. Is, it's complicated. It's um, uh, theologians call it. We're often in liminal space where we mm -hmm. just want things to get back to normal, and sometimes things heartache lasts longer than we would want. We're all, we all go through different grieving processes with this uh, COVID age, and uh, but at the heart of it. We, we, know the, we know the end of the story. And so there were parts of that book that were gloomy and tiring, and the, the kids were like in this underworld for a while, and they would meet these underworld people, and they would have to run from them, or they got put in a boat in the underworld. And, but uh, at some point, there was this glimmer of light, and, and they were able to get out. And uh, maybe that I liked it, reading it during COVID more, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe in you know, two years, I'll read it all again. I won't like it as much. <laughs> but, but that's kind of the beauty of a good book or a good yeah. series is that it's in, in, 
in many ways, it feels like this is written for different people in different phases. Yeah, I, and, I, I think so. And and it's even so. with like you mentioned, reading it to kids. Like I'll I'll probably read start reading this to my daughter pretty soon. My oldest one is six. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think and she'll she, enjoy it. Yeah, and she'll miss half of it, and then she'll come she back will. in fifteen years and read it again and understand but you know e- so much more of it. E- right? Even even the sibling rivalries between. Uh, was it um, Peter, Edward? Well, that will hit home Lucy, pretty quick for us. Susan. So. <laughs> I mean, they're normal siblings. They're normal siblings, so yeah. they they bicker. They're very judgmental on each other. They're more forgiving to outsiders. Yeah. And so the whole sibling sort of snipping is in all seven books, and it, and 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 that's that's the beauty of literature too for children to actually see the not so good parts of themselves when they're when they're sniping or. You know, yeah. being too critical of their sibling. Right. It, it's you know, is it Susan and is it Susan and Lucy? Yeah, they they kind of go at each as sisters from time to time. And yeah, we got some of that in our house right now. No, you got any tips on that? How do you stop that from happening? I I, <laughs> <laughs> I had a boy and a girl, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Man. Okay, so one other part of these books, I mean, there's there's a lot of characters who are sort of you know already all in on Aslan and who he is from the get-go, yeah. Um, yeah. as is true with our faith, right? Um, but there are others who are maybe more skeptical, and yeah. I think there's a conversion experience that you've talked about yeah. that st- stands out to you in these books. So uh, in the opening of um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is also a, one of the movies, it's one of the four Disney movies, uh, Eustace Scrub gets pulled into Narnia, which would, appears to be by accident. And he... He, his name is Eustace Scrub, and the author says, and he had that name for a reason. I mean, he was a pain. He was very judgmental. He kept a journal on everybody's uh, bad points. Wow. In a sort of lawyer sort of way. I mean, he was just a cruel, cruel, smart child. Combine cruelty with intelligence, and yeah. you, you have a really damaging person. And yeah. so uh, he gets pulled in to Narnia, and for a lot of the part of it, I, I almost tried to skip pages where he was talking because he reminded me of kids that picked on me when I was in grade school. And, um, but at one point, and it, it, it's not a spoiler, this is a spoiler, but you'll get it. Some spoilers are worth it. He, he gets his just reward, and he gets turned into a hideous, awful dragon, fire-breathing dragon on one of the islands. And he's miserable, and he's got gold and jewels all around him like dragons do. Where's and, the bad uh, part? Fire-breathing dragon, yeah, yeah. golden jewels? Like, I'm he, in. He realized while he was a dragon that what he really wanted in life was friendship. It's hard and when so you're a dragon. he showed up, and uh, they tried to kill him. Why? Because he couldn't talk, and he was... Oh. Yeah. He's flying in, and when he's talking, he's firing. So his friends tried to kill him. And so um, what C.S. Lewis does in about eight pages, you see Eustace go from just one of the worst, most cruel kids I've ever read about to um, being uh, so powerful that he could get anything he wants, and he realizes that the top of power is really loneliness and heartache. And so we actually get to watch his conversion to being a follower of Aslan. And I, I promise you, it will bring you and your children to tears. Like, I was, I knew it was coming because Angie had told me about it. And um, he had to, he had to take his claws as a dragon and physically rip 
the portions of the dragon skin and um, scales mm. off of his body, and he was bleeding and hurting. It was like so that sanctification the, process. Yeah, the the conversion experience. He couldn't get. He was trying to get all the scales off in his conversion experience, and he couldn't do it. Aslan shows up and begins ripping Ugh. the old self off of him, and it's awful. It's it's heart wrenching, and uh, and then he's reformed or born again it's a born again moment into a new boy and uh it's uh, frighteningly scary to see. he had his his need for christ or aslan was in an exterior sort of way where you could see it and we actually need christ and most people really don't know just how desperate we really need christ we we keep a lot of our brokenness deep on the inside and and so to see it physically manifested it, it was truly frightening. And I would say Disney, you know, Disney did the first four movies. They're not going to do any more for various reasons. But um, I watched all the movies this summer, too. Do, do you weekends. recommend the movies? Yeah, I think you okay. watch them all. I think they, yeah. I, I loved all four of them on their own merit. Movies have to take license. They yeah. do take license. They should take license. And, and uh, I think they're very entertaining. They downplay it as a spiritual conversion sure. because yeah. it's Disney. Right. You know, you know I give them that. But... They do a pretty good job of just showing how miserable and awful uh, Eustace was as a dragon. And when he is converted, it's so beautifully clear. There was a moment in the movie that I thought, oh, that's like that Forrest Gump moment where Lieutenant Dang looks at Forrest (laughs) on the boat. Remember the bubblegum shrimp? Mm -hmm. And he goes, Forrest, Forrest. And Forrest looks at him. Yeah, Lieutenant Lieutenant Dang, do you remember the scene? And he just looks at him and the sun shining. And then uh, Lieutenant Dang just dives into the water, yeah. legless as a soldier. Yeah. And there was, it, it was the, it was as close as the Forrest Gump producers could come to making peace. Yeah. It was almost like a, I'm not mad you saved me anymore. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm no longer mad at Spoiler God. Spoiler alert. And yeah. yeah. But the, I, when he, when the when I saw Eustace, I thought, well, that's Disney putting into a childlike version what I experienced in watching the Forrest Gump moment. Yeah. I thought that that's not that bad. You know. So yeah, I'd recommend the movie. All right, so I've got seven books and four movies. You just gave yeah. me entertainment for like three months. It's fine. It's a gift. It's fine. So, uh, let me just say one. This is one thing that um, I have friends that have read Narnia that always talk about this mouse named Reepicheep. Do you okay. remember that? Character? I don't remember that character. Okay, so I had friends in Austin that just thought he was the the best superhero of all show, like of all things, and they which would books to, is he in? Uh, some okay, so multiple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he appears when you wouldn't expect it, and uh, there are. Anyways, there's. I had friends that like wanted me to like. One of them said, "Let's just change the mascot name of our school to Reba Cheaper." <laughs> I was like, "That's probably maybe not we could start with you dressing up." Like I, like I don't you know, know if I don't know if I'm worthy to do I, that. I can you know? think of no one more worthy. Oh, I mean, hey, you brought this up. Your kiss up. So, so I, but the, yeah, I, I own that. I own that with pride. Yeah. I mean, everybody who knows me knows that. <laughs> so. But I would say there's something about Reba Cheap that I think children will go, oh, my gosh, I'm like him. Hmm. I, I think children could see, little children could see Reba Cheap as the ultimate hero. And I think that's one of my friends that always – would say this to me. I had five little children that um, that we were helping him raise. He had his kids at the school, and yeah. so and now that I've read the books, I go, oh, that's why my friend wanted wanted me to know Reba Cheap as well as his five little children. Well, I don't know if and, Santa Fe uh, Christian Reba Cheeps has the same. It doesn't ring, have the same flair, but, but I do, well, eagles show up in the Narnia series. Okay, I mean they become the heroes just like they of do. Of course, 
just like they do in the, in um, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they show up and yeah. you know, they they rescue Frodo and Sam from the lava and all that. And uh, but uh, yeah, eagles show up in a profound way in some of the books. So we'll we'll just I think that we just keep it as Santa Fe eagles. Okay. If it's okay with you. It's yeah, okay. I mean, I'll think about it, but I'll let you know what I decide. <laughs> all right, thank you. <laughs> all right, uh, this has been fun as yeah. always. Uh, thank you so much for your insights, Rod. Thank you to our listeners and viewers and our live studio audience for the first time. Uh, another episode of Eagle Perspective Podcast. If this is your first one, uh, feel free to check out our other episodes, uh, both of our Yard of Book series and also some other topics that we've discussed with a lot of guests on campus. You can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, other places where podcasts are available. We will be back soon with another episode and we look forward to seeing you then.